Hello and welcome back to a S Fam R. Get yourself comfortable. Put on some headphones if you wish for maximum tingles. Set the phone down. You don't need it anymore. Time for you to relax. I have a brush here. With some very soft bristles on it. I'd be happy to brush your hair if you like. Help you relax. As we tell our story tonight. If you'd rather, I also have some soft makeup brushes here. I just lightly brush them across your forehead, your ear. Sarah Winnemucca, Northern Paiute educator, author, and activist. Before we get started into our story, I would like to acknowledge the following traditional custodians of the land that I record in. Peoria, Potawatomi, Kickapoo, Miamiya, and the OJT Shekoli. I wish to pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Our story starts back in the mid-1800s, just west of the Great Plains of the United States. This area is called the Great Basin. It's home to the traditional homelands of the Northern Paiute Nation, which includes present-day Western Nevada, Southeastern Oregon, and Northwestern California. The Washoe, Southern Paiute, and Shoshone tribes also called this land home. This beautiful region contains various elevations as the land transitions out of the Great Plains and into deserts and mountains with a scattering of waterways and lightly grassed valleys. In 
It was in this land, sometime in the year 1844, that Sarah was born as Thakmetani, meaning shell flower. As a side note, until she takes the name Sarah, I will be referring to her with her Paiute name. Sadly, white settlers, who had already been colonizing and forcibly removing indigenous people from their land out east, were beginning their trek west. At a young age, Sakametani quickly became accustomed to the trespassing of the white men. According to her book, Life Among the Paiutes, Thakmetani had this to say. I was a very small child when the first white people came into our country. They came like a lion, yes, like a roaring lion, and have continued so ever since, and I have never forgotten their first coming. Thakmetani's father Chief Winnemucca did not trust the white owls, as he called them, and cautioned his own people to keep their distance. Her grandfather, Chief Trakiso, however, recognized that it might be better for his people to learn and understand the ways of the white man for their own survival. He embraced, though perhaps reluctantly, the arrival of what he called his white brothers, and helped U.S. General John C. Fremont in his map-making expeditions of the West, and fought with him in the Mexican-American War. Chief Trujillo sent six-year-old Sacometani and her younger sister Elma to live in the Utah Territory with the family of the stagecoach agent. It was there that they gave her the name Sarah, and she learned English and Spanish. Sarah and Alma spent the next ten years or so living with a few different families, getting a formal education, and learning about the white world. They finished with three weeks in a San Jose convent, but were expelled when parents complained about their presence there. With that, the two sisters went back to their people, but by then gold and silver had been discovered near Pyramid Lake, and colonizers were flooding into the area. This caused frequent tension and a resulting tentative truce but by 1866, the Pyramid Lake Reservation was built, and some camps of Paiute people moved there. Sarah wanted to see what life on the reservation was like, but when she arrived there, she discovered with horror that the Bureau of Indian Affairs agents were either incompetent or corrupt, often the latter. They took government money allocated to the reservation 
for themselves, leaving the Paiutes hungry and poverty-stricken. No longer were they allowed their nomadic hunter and gatherer lifestyle. Because Sarah was one of only a few Paiutes who could speak English, and Paiute culture permitted women to voice their opinions and participate in decision-making, she spoke up about the poor conditions her people were experiencing. Faced with starvation, 500 more Paiutes relocated to a reservation. Sarah, now 27, was an interpreter and scout for the Bureau of Indian Affairs and composed a letter to Major Henry Douglas, who was then the Indian Superintendent for Nevada. He was so affected by her letter that he forwarded it to Washington, D.C. In her letter, Sarah gave an impassioned plea for her people. If this is the kind of civilization awaiting us on the reserves, God grant that we may never be compelled to go on one, as it is preferable to live in the mountains and drag out an existence in her native manner. Her words fell on far away, uncaring ears of Washington, and President Ulysses S. Grant declared all Paiute people be forcibly removed from their land and relocated to the Mahler Reservation in Oregon, which also included the Bannock tribe. Sarah, still an interpreter for the Bureau, worked with Agent Samuel Parrish, whom she trusted enough because he seemed to treat them all fairly. But Parrish was soon replaced with William V. Reinhardt, who was just the worst. He decreed that all resources produced belonged to the government, but that the Paiutes would be given a small fee for their work, which they never received. This is only one example of his terrible treatment of the indigenous people on the reservation, and life there quickly became intolerable. Sarah and Reinhardt butt heads constantly, and soon he banished her from the reservation. In 1878, they had all had enough with Reinhardt, and nearly all of the northern Paiutes and Bannock people left the Mahler Reservation. The same happened with the Bannock at the Fort Hall Reservation in southern Idaho. They went west, raiding white settlements along the way, thus spurring the Bannock War. When Sarah's father, Old Winnemucca, refused to rise up, the Bannocks held him and many other northern Paiutes hostage. Sarah and her brother Lee rode about 223 miles across rocky and treacherous Idaho terrain to stealthily rescue 75 people. Sarah acted as interpreter and aided the U.S. Army during the Bannock War. The way she saw it, her people were always better treated by the Army versus the Bureau agents on the reservations. Despite the heroism, the Bannock War did not end well for the Northern Paiutes, who 
largely were innocent bystanders. The U.S. government didn't like uprisings and now considered all indigenous people prisoners of war, regardless of who they were or what tribe they were from. Many of her people felt betrayed by Sarah for helping the U.S., which put them in a worse situation. Sarah was shocked by the government's decision. She had promised her people that everything would be okay if they just complied with the army. The military then forced the Paiutes to march over 350 miles in winter to the Yakima Reservation in what is now known as Washington State. Any promises of food, housing, and warm clothing from the Yakima Reservation were feeble, to say the least, and many Paiutes died before the spring came. After several broken promises from the government to make improvements, the Paiutes trusted Sarah even less. Heartbroken and trying to make it right, Sarah Winnemucca went to San Francisco to speak directly to the white civilian audiences and ask for their help. She gave standing room only lectures in her traditional Paiute clothing, educating white people on her family and her people, correcting stereotypes, and telling them all about the transgressions on the reservations. Winnemucca did not hold back on her stories and wasn't scared to call people out by name. The San Franciscans loved her, and her celebrity granted her access to Washington, D.C., where she planned to voice her complaints. Promised with 100 tents, supplies, and an order for her people to be allowed back to Mahler, Sarah went back to her people. Turns out, the government was just looking for a photo op and a safe face in light of her accusations. William Reinhardt, her old nemesis, had also been sabotaging her trip behind her back, writing to officials that Sarah was, quote, a prostitute and a drunk. He sounds nice, doesn't he? The tents and supplies never came and the agent at the Yakima Reservation never released the Paiutes. The result? Sarah was trusted even less by her tribe. At this point, she was completely fed up with the lies and quit her job as an interpreter for the Bureau and went east once again, hoping that another lecture tour would get Americans to directly help the Paiutes. In Boston, Sarah met Elizabeth Palmer Peabody and her sister, Mary Peabody Mann. Elizabeth, the first American female publisher, encouraged Sarah to write a book, and so she did. It was titled, Life Among the Paiutes, Their Wrongs and Claims, and was the first book written by a Native American woman. She went on to give over 300 talks about her people and raised money to help them directly. Although that should be a positive turnaround for Sarah's story, 
Her husband at the time, Lieutenant Lewis Hopkins, gambled his way into debt and then skipped town. Sarah had to repay his debt with money she received for her autobiography and from her lectures, all the money that was supposed to help her people. Disillusioned, she quit lecturing. In her later years, she proposed to establish Camp McDermott as a reservation for the Northern Paiutes and that all the heads of families be allotted land of their own. In addition, she asked that funds and goods be administered by the Army instead of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. It passed through the House, but the Senate refused it, condemning the Paiutes to Pyramid Lake in Nevada. As her last contribution, Sarah Winnemucca opened a school called the Peabody Institute on her brother's newly acquired ranch. While it was open, it taught the local indigenous children. Funding ran out after a little while, and the school unfortunately closed. Sarah Winnemucca finished her years with her sister, Elma, in Montana. She passed away in 1891 at the age of 46. Sarah Winnemucca walked between two worlds, one that had critics on both sides. She fought against the odds for her people, trying to secure a better life for them, as genocide happened to indigenous people all over the country. Some saw her as a heroine, but others saw her as a Judas, who sold her own people out for money and status. Even though Winnemucca, born Thakamatani, never saw the changes she wished to see, her book and her teachings stand as a testament to a woman who spent her life advocating for change, freedom, and as a verbal warrior for the Northern Paiute. Since the War of 1860, there have been 103 of my people murdered and our reservation taken from us, and yet we, who are called blood-seeking savages, are keeping our promises to the government. Oh, my dear good Christian people, how long are you going to stand by and see us suffer at your hands? 